This is Leslie Kane, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. This is part two, Paul. Hi. So, Paul, um, first off, we'll go through some of the Patreon questions and then some of the YouTube viewers. Um, question first off from Stephen Davies. Stephen asks over on Patreon, uh, what is your thoughts, Paul, on the Chris Bledsoe story? Um, one of the most famous stories in ufology, UFOs, but also has quite a deep religious aspect to it. Yes, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm not as familiar with it as I should be. Uh, there's been so much to learn in the last couple of years. And in fact, I only live a few hours from there. I'm right near the North Carolina line of Georgia. So uh, may even see if, you know, if I could go visit there. So I don't want to say too much without being too deep into it. Um, I, you know, was just watching your, your uh, podcast with Jeff Kripal um, and, and, you know, some of the concerns y'all, y'all raised, I think, or some of the concerns I have. Um, I do think he's trying to, to fit his experience into a, uh, as Jeff said, a more conservative Christian experience. I'm not sure how well that works, um, especially talking about the lady. Um, you know, I, I would urge mm-hmm. people not to associate that with the Virgin Mary because <laughs> of the things that this lady says. Um, so mostly I just have to say, I, I, I can't, wouldn't take a, I can't take much of a position. On, um, I, I guess I'll stop with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested though if, again, it's as one someone like yourself would have to dive into because you wouldn't want the keynotes version of it. I think, you know, I could say you've got a guy here who had what sounds like an incredible experience, which then continued through himself and his family. There's a heavily religious aspect of this experience and yeah. Um, it wouldn't do it justice. So for me, definitely, I, I've interviewed Chris Bledsoe um, and Ryan Bledsoe. So if you, even if you get a chance to listen to those, but lots of people have spoken to the Bledsoes. Um, lovely people. Um, again, it's down to you what you believe. But from your point of view, I'd be very interested if you get the time to, mm-hmm. to what you think of that particular story and experience and ongoing experience, given, yeah, given what it is. But it would be very easy to dismiss it but given the cast of characters, and I don't mean that in an offhanded way, that have been involved from various organizations and yeah. agencies, they're not just friends with lots of these people, you know, for bar mitzvahs and weddings and everything else in between. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I'll, I'll leave it there as well, Paul, but I'd be interested to know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, from one Paul to another. Uh, Paul Eyre asks, of all the world's religions, including smaller indigenous people's beliefs, which one do you believe can most easily acknowledge a non-human intelligence? And which one do you think would struggle the most with the eventual and undeniable truth of the existence of a non-human intelligence? Mm. <clears throat> That's one Certainly. of those ones I was glad I didn't have yeah, to ask you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would choose one. Uh, among Among Western religions i do think you know that the catholic church is you know not the only one to see this like i said russ goldard has said it too before that that um that i think at least at the upper levels of the church um there's there's much more openness to it and, and willingness to accommodate if it's the truth and and i get that from you know emails and stuff i get from readers where they're catholic astronomers college professors whatever um uh you would still have that segment that does not because they think it's all demons. Um, uh, aside from that, um, you know, Islam, as I understand it, al- already does have references in its sacred literature to life out there. So shouldn't be, 
I've I've spoken with folks I work with Mm -hmm. who again have have told me exactly the same thing. Really open to the conversation. Yep. Uh, The Mormon tradition. I talk about this in my book here. The Mormon tradition um, has references to to life on other planets. Um, Of the, I would think you know Hinduism would be really open to it because they already have such a panoply of gods and they've been known traditionally for gods. Except, oh, here, take, we'll, we'll put your God on the shelf too. And, and I mean that in a, you know, in a good way, that they've been open to kind of bringing all that in. So I can't imagine they'd have too much trouble. Um, the, the primal religions, the indigenous religions, um, I, I think probably in, in certain ways might be the most open. They, they, have, they have lots of traditions, but not usually a, a, a tradition of, kind of highly articulated, defined doctrine so mm. that um, <clears throat> they don't, wouldn't have as much to fit it into. They would just have the, the cultural experience that talks about beings from the sky often and that kind of thing and uh, other spirits. Let me ask you then, Paul, because I think that is a difficult one to answer <laughs> what, what one would struggle with it because so many religions seem to at least have a theme or variation of of acknowledging something else out there are being possible. Is there any more generic element of religion uh, across the board that would either be slightly contradicted by a non-human intelligence or may struggle the most or any elements you can think of a populace, a general populace might struggle with if we find out we've got this non-human intelligence here? Yeah, I would say, you know, within the Christian tradition, there's a, tradition actually highly influenced by the enlightenment um, that's very, once everything kind of very rational re, uh, worked out very logically, um, I won't mention specifics, but um, that don't leave a lot of room for mystery and for don't have a lot of humility when it comes to trying to understand the world, the parts that we don't understand. And I think that that runs across several different denominations. Um, and I think those are the folks that will have the, already have the hardest time um, without realizing it. They, they imitate some scientists, not all, but some scientists in this attitude that if you can't measure it and, you know, handle it with your hands, that kind of thing, mm. then, then you got to reject it. I think what I meant to say this uh, in the early part of the broadcast, that one of the things we do have to understand is, is that um, so many people, scientists and others have rejected this whole thing because so much of it's based on witness testimony. And they say, you can't put it in a lab, you can't test it. It's not repeatable necessarily. So we, we can't really tell me, say much about that. And I've heard several scientists say that. But the truth is you get outside of it. I think Jeff Kripal was kind of touching on this too. You get outside of that kind of scientific box and you realize how much of what we know according to, to the testimony of witnesses. Uh, almost the entire realm of history, you, you can't prove scientifically you have documents and that kind of thing. And so you have to accept that, um, the, the testimony of witnesses and there's certain standards and it's called historiography, the, the, uh, the art and science, you might say of writing history about what's more credible and what's not. Um, and the same is true in, <clears throat> in most religions. They, so much of what we have is not something, you know, science, modern science, wasn't even around when it started that we, we have it through witness testimony. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that's amazing how many people saw the documents that documented. If, if we have to reject, if we say we can only know what's what we have according to human testimony, even first person testimony, we got to give up most of what we know. 
Fourth century, so 16 years, 16 centuries ago, St. Augustine was making the same point in his book, The Confessions. It's his autobiography. I'm writing a podcast commentary on it now. And he says, you know what? You know, people complain that we depend too much on authority, but think about how much you take on authority. You know, how about places you've never been? How about things that happened in history? How about the circumstances of your birth and who your parents are? All of that really important information you take on the testimony of other people. So I just, you know, want to press back gently on people saying, well, all we've got is, is testimony. It's, man, that's really important. It's important to human life in general. Yeah. Pe- people go their whole lives believing their, their parents are their parents, and then they turn 40 and just on a whim, they, they find out they were adopted or, yeah. you know, actually their father that raised them wasn't their biological father or some, something like that. And it's paradigm changing, but, you know, doesn't mean it, it's not true. Just you believed one thing your whole life because of reason A, and then you find out something that changes that. So, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point. So anyway, I'm just saying, so we can't just reject out of hand whether we're talking about religion or UFOs or anything else, history, anything else like that, that, that all we've got is witness witnesses <laughs> you know especially when you're talking about thousands of them that's uh that's 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 not an adequate way of of knowing certain things to to say only by science the next question from david you, you've kind of answered earlier but i'm going to just give a little bit of a different spin on it so what david asked was how much credence does paul give to the notion of pushback on extraterrestrial intelligence topic due to the idea that they're really demonic forces out to deceive and particularly in the u.s and the u.s government where there's a strong right-wing christian element and we talked about that paul you know aspects of the u.s government this is demonic we don't want it out there i wonder for, from your point of view and your unique point of view in what way would a quote-unquote demonic force or mischievous force or, you know, trickster force be trying to deceive us? Can you put that in your words? Because I think that's something I hear quite a lot, but I don't always know exactly what they mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't always exactly know what they mean either. It's um, apparently, I mean, I can't know this directly, but from folks like Lil Zondo and others have talked about it, that uh, some of the folks in the military with a, a particularly, you know, particular Christian point of view, you could call it fundamentalist. I don't like to throw that word around too much, but um, that are convinced it's not in the Bible. It's stuff that seems paranormal. Therefore it's, it's demonic. That seems to be their argument in their case. Um, let's see. I'm going to make sure I get the question right. So you're saying. Well, let or, me ask then. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. are, are there examples of what a demonic a demonic deception would be like gotcha. within okay. the Bible? For example, that I could try and relate to modern day. Why would whatever this is be trying to deceive us, or how would it be gotcha. trying to deceive yeah. us? If that makes more sense, sure. Uh, kind of two trains of thought, I think, on that. One is that because there are so many folks involved in UAP studies um, who have, shall we, sometimes. Uh, Exotic religious beliefs, maybe, I don't mean that as a pejorative team term, but uh, taught courses on all kinds of things like that, um, that would contradict the faith they have, then they've, they're making this late leap of logic, you know, it's not logical at all, that, okay, since you have people involved in that who believe in this, this must be demonic attempts to convince people to stop being Christian and embrace these other ideas. That's one. Um the other is a little more recent, but it's becoming a very vehement and vociferous uh, group of folks who are saying um, 
they're they're very involved with apocalyptic speculation, the end times, the end of the world. And um, they're saying, I think I mentioned this briefly, that the reason the government is doing all this and and uh, this deception is that they're trying to instill fear in us, so that when finally the government says we need a one world, uh, one world government, that we'll all agree, sure, out of panic. That's the only way we're going to handle this demon, this um, alien invasion. And then that'll be set up for the Antichrist who rules the world and persecutes the church and represents the devil and acts on part of the devil. I mean, it's a, it's a very complicated mythology. To me, it's you know, superstitious almost. But um, those would be a couple of the reasons why people are – what kind of deception they think that is, that it's either going to lead up to Antichrist who's going to persecute the church or it's um, – you can't disconnect it from a lot of the other kinds of exotic religious beliefs out there that reject the church. Um, question from Fred. Fred asks, if angels and demons live in the spiritual realm, but our experiences as that angels or aliens are physical beings, how can folks argue that angels are aliens are demons? Does that make sense? Yeah. What, what they're arguing. And again, I don't agree, but <clears throat> cause I would say, yeah, if, if um, if you find aliens have bodies like the ones that, you know, people are claiming that they have, then that, that proves right there. They're not at least traditional Christian understanding of an angel or demon. They don't have bodies. Um, but I think they, uh, what they would be saying is that, um, that the aliens don't exist. And therefore whatever's happening is something that the demons are trying to pull over on us. So they appear in the sky. They have the abduction things where they, you know, appear as something else. They don't look like demons would normally look like. They look like aliens, um, whatever kinds of things that it's all the demons trying to do that. So um, even with those those alien bodies, like I said, it's it's almost like the folks who didn't want to believe in the dinosaurs that um, probably would go so far as to say, well, demons created that in order to trick us. Um, I don't know that anybody said that yet about the bodies in, in, from Peru, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone started saying that. Is there any religious worry? And I think this goes back to the idea of religions collapsing, you know, if we had some kind of confirmation. If uh, an extraterrestrial race, and this is quite an extreme question probably, Paul, but I have, I'll probably have to ask it for my own sanity, I think, that if we found out there was an, an ultra-terrestrial race and they, they confirmed, you know what, we are here, we've been here a long time, or another entity tells us they've been on this planet thousands of years before us they've influenced us they've been here and they say that our idea of religion is all wrong that it's largely based on their interferings throughout the the millennia and you know would that change religions in general do you think or is it still the idea that that would be dismissed yeah i think so you know folks would say well aliens can get it wrong just as humans can <laughs> And just as, you know, if, if someone from another religion in the world came and talked to me and said, no, you got it all wrong, you Catholics, you Christians, it's this, this, and this, that I'd say, okay, let's talk about that. Um, but it wouldn't just right away, oh, no, he's, he's got to be right. Um, that's why, you know, the whole thing about ge genetic interference and stuff, when I hear that, um, and people say, you know, the, the big question that's, this is raising is not who are they, but who are we really? And, um is there, you know, I think you've had probably one of the folks on, on your podcast before. He was told by folks in the intelligence community and classified settings or whatever um, that they had been here and they had interfered with our genetics and that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's one where I would say 
Okay, I really need some data on that. <laughs> uh, well, on that one, Luella Zondo himself mentioned mm-hmm. the idea that around 70,000 years ago, he mentioned there was some sort of change in our genetics where we got a bit of a boost to, mm-hmm. yeah, a bit of a boost on. And so for that, I would say, um, okay, why go to aliens on that one? They're, uh, the Christian teaching understanding is that, yeah, at some point there was something that happened to whatever creatures were there that would have press them in the direction of what we are now, a special creation by God. Um, There was a time when people would jokingly talk about the God of the gaps. And what they meant was that when science would discover something uh, and it's it's beginning to show that they thought God was not necessary for all this, instead of thinking that that's just how God did it through natural processes. And there would be a gap in their knowledge or understanding. And some Christians would jump in and say, see, it was a miracle. See, it was a miracle. And they say, yeah, God of the gaps, just give us time to figure it out. I'm seeing the same thing happen with aliens. It's the aliens of the gaps. Um, so there seems to be some kind of boost genetically, that kind of thing. I just have to ask, what, why in the world would you go to aliens on that? Uh, there could be natural, very natural explanations. It could be that in keeping with the Christian tradition that God intervened, even if it wasn't miraculous, but just did something to, to create what he was planning to create. Um, so that's, to me, that's not convincing evidence at all. It's you know, this evidence that something happened. But to attribute it to aliens, boy, that wouldn't go there first. I'm, I'm thinking of what you mentioned there, the Giorgio Succulus ancient aliens meme, where he does the aliens, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, yeah, interesting. Um, Fred asked a few questions. We've answered most of them, to be fair, within the body of the interview. So let's jump on to uh, Peter. Peter Earnshaw uh, loves to send in a question. So thank you, Peter. Um, the Catholic Church still conducts exorcisms and trains priests on how to exorcise demons from human hosts. Um, can Paul elaborate, and we touched on this earlier, but let's go into it, Paul. Can Paul elaborate on any relationship between extraterrestrial slash non-human intelligence and demonic possession? Where, where do you sit on that one? Yeah, I mean, it's part of what I was saying before that um, I think, first of all, I think that what we're encountering out there is a whole bunch of different things, um, some of which we don't understand at all, some maybe a little, and that there is, there are in some cases, there seems to be to me, as someone who's familiar with the exorcism process, that kind of thing, um, and classical cases of demonic possession and oppression, um, sure seems to me to be some cases that fit the demonic profile, you might say. So uh, some of the abduction experiences where the, the creatures are, are malevolent, uh, where they injure the person, where they take them against their will and bring them back. Now, I'm not saying every account like that is demonic, but I'm saying I could see how you could interpret some of those in that way. Sure seems to fit the profile. Um, I think it was, I don't know if I want to say his name, I may be getting wrong, but uh, I think it was James Lukatsky who was talking recently, I think on the Weaponized podcast, um, Mm-hmm. about experiences having to do with Skinwalker Ranch. And um, and first of all, I want to you know, say that, that the you know, Catholic Church, Catholic teaching takes very seriously the notion of a curse, um, that it opens kind of opens a door for demonic activity and doesn't, you don't have to be yeah. a Catholic to do the curse. Um, and so in Skinwalker's history, there is the tradition that one Native American tribe cursed another one and that that's somehow connected to this. And that, to me, that seems quite possible. Some of the things that go on there sure seemed to fit the profile, but the one that clearest was clearest to me, and I sure hope I'm not misquoting him, but I, as I recall, Mr. Lukatsky said, or Dr. Lukatsky said, that at some point, something came on him, he kind of froze, and it began speaking through him. 
that's about as classic a description of demonic possession as you can get. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't demonic possession. But I can see why some people think, okay, it's it's that. But what I keep saying to them is you can't say it's all that. There are too many things out there. And so many things don't fit that profile at all. Those, you know, those cubes with the spheres inside of them that the Navy pilots thought you're going to say, what's that got to do with demons or anything like that? So yeah, some overlap, a lot of that. some overlap, but I'd say most of it just seems to be something else altogether. Yeah, you Skinwalker Ranch. There's a lot of that, and the Hitchhiker effect very mm-hmm. much. You could you could say that as kind of poltergeist type activity. Thomas Winterton mm-hmm. talked about um, events happening at his family home with his wife and child. Um, George Knapp said the same thing that he and his wife both had Hitchhiker effect. You know, again, you can replace a lot of what that sounds like is happening to be poltergeist type activity going off the classic, you know, movies or descriptions, mm-hmm. whatever that might look like. So again, as we've mentioned, Paul labels one thing, you know, one man's X is another man's B, you know, there you go. It's, it's the same type of thing. Um, another question uh, from Peter. Now he touches on something we mentioned earlier, but I just wonder if you can expand on your thoughts on the last part of it. So he mentions David Grush talking about the Italian crash in the 1930s, uh, Mussolini, government collapses and then apparently the Pope gets involved with the US and they move that um, object out of there. But he asks, do you think, for example, as the President of the United States would get briefed on the UFO phenomenon, it's just as likely the Pope would get similar briefings to this day? I think so. I mean, I, re- I really do. They, the As others have pointed out, you know, the, for a long time, the, the Vatican has had a uh, its own kind of information network, if you want to call it that surveillance, whatever, worldwide. Um, and so, and there are lots of things in the archives, you know, but so they've had things, information coming to them for a, a long time about all kinds of things. And this kind of information, because to many, it resembles some kind of spiritual stuff going on. It would be, it would make all kinds of sense that um, if somebody experienced that, say, wherever you're in Africa or Italy or wherever, that they would go and talk to their priest about it. And then the priest might talk to the bishop, and and it would just go on up the chain. Um, there might even be a word out at some point that if you know if you have experience like this, we want to know about it. So I'm not saying I know that for sure. Of course, I can't. Um, but I but I do think it would make sense that the Vatican would be interested in these things. Uh, might even collect stuff about it in the archives. Um, it, it would just be a, na- a natural interest for them, and and it would be natural for people to report it. I mean, I've, I've talked to others who said, yeah, you know, I had an experience. And first thing I did is went to my priest and say, how do, how do I figure this out? And how does it get in with my faith? So they're going to talk about it to spiritual leaders. And those leaders are, I think, eventually going to be talking about it on up the chain. And again, it makes sense, as you say, the, the president right now, Joe Biden, um, is, is talking to three or four hundred, five hundred million Americans on whatever he's talking about. But that message is relevant to X amount of Christians you know, or, or folks the Catholic faith in the United States that is relevant to folks around the world of that same religion. So if he's the head of a religion of what, 1.4 billion people, then of course that someone is going to relay that message as is any other any other kind of spiritual leader like that. So that, that makes sense. Um, a question from Steve. Steve says, uh, the Catholic Church has already put thought into aliens and non-human intelligence throughout the centuries. Though the Catholic Church goes to great lengths to increase 
to incul- inculcate inculcate beliefs and dogma. He says to the is it Laity L A I T Y is that Laity Laity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Laity I've never heard that word before sorry Steve. Um, so uh, beliefs and dogma to the Laity there still often remains a disconnect. Lay understanding of the faith understanding is imperfect, regardless of what theologians, priests, and church authorities have said about non-human intelligences. It might still be a large undertaking to communicate this to the worldwide laity. I'm guessing that just means populace. Uh, what does Paul have to say about this? Yeah, laity just means people who are not ordained. So okay, we're not priests, deacons, bishops. Yeah. Um, so if I understand the question, um, you're saying how, how might the church... So it's still a large undertaking. Uh, regardless of what theologians, priests, and church authorities have said about ET, it still might be a large undertaking communi- to communicate this to the worldwide laity. What does Paul have to say about this? Yeah, I would say, again, you have a lot of people who just aren't interested. <laughs> They're going about their daily lives, and they tell me this all the time. Um, you have other folks who are interested um, and would be willing to read a book like mine, and so I'd encourage them to do that. Uh, it's... Uh, because it, it just brings together, you know, in 400 pages, very careful documentation of the tradition of all this and what the audience have thought and then how I would present all these things. Um, but for a lot of them, it's probably, it's just going to have to happen by some kind of public disclosure that they respond to. Because I really, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think that the the Catholic Church in particular will be the one to get out in front and say, okay, we've, we've known this much. Um, they're probably going to wait for, one or more of the secular governments to say something first. So um, in the popular culture, books like mine could help. Uh, there's some documentaries probably being made that might help. Um, but in the end, a, a lot of folks are going to need something more than that to, to have their minds open to. A good podcast with a Scottish host. That'll help. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, God help them. Um god with a small g um so um a good question to follow on from actually i think and this goes on to the youtube questions now question from peter says funnily enough i've been thinking about what if it's the vatican itself that makes the first move with disclosure it would take it out of the hands of partisan governments but could upset some other religions or belief systems on the other hand it would placate the christian elements in the american government he thinks it would be the best solution what do you what are your thoughts on that paul well, I'd love to see that personally. Um, I mean, at this point, I've, I've said before, I'd just be thrilled with the Vatican making a statement in response to the kind of things that people are throwing at me. Um, the Catholic Church doesn't take a position on it because so much of what they say about the demons, they, they build it on their conclusion that it, it's contrary to Catholic teaching. It's not. It's just not. Um, so that, I, would, I would be happy with that just so that those people would stop saying that, that it's, it's not contrary, that it's contrary to Catholic teaching. More than that, uh, you know, I would love to say, uh, I'd love to hear the church say, uh, you know, we haven't said anything officially about it, but it is possible. That would be great. Um, but for me, the best of all, if it's true and if they know, um, would be for them to, to some degree or another, take the lead and say, uh, yes, this is it. And, and uh, we've got a lot to learn about it. That would, that would be great. They, I'm sure whoever knows, if they do know, just like in our government, they have the reasons for thinking it's it's not time yet or that somebody else needs to do it. But that's just my personal, and that's just my personal opinion. I'd, I'd love to see them make some kind of statement, take the lead on that. That would be very interesting. Be a great movie or a TV show mm-hmm. at least. 
I see that scenario being quite unlikely still. I just couldn't <clears throat> see it not being one of the superpowers. You know, China, Russia, US obviously being the lead one. Um, or even one of the developing thing. nations. You know, sorry. Even one of the developing yeah, nations. No, no. What if Brazil finally, you know, or Mexico, one of those finally came out and said, yeah, we got all this stuff and the Americans wouldn't let us talk about it, but we're going to anyway. Finally. I mean, to be, to, I mean, some folks would argue, and God, I don't know if I want to bring this up, that they tried that recently in Peru with uh, with the Peruvian mummies in the Mexican Congress. Um, yeah. Uh, I can get Jaime Musan on the podcast to talk about that. Um, just given how ill I've been for the last few weeks, it's not been one I've wanted to look at too much. But if folks would like to hear that in the new year, give me a shout um, and I can look at arranging that because that that's an interesting conversation and it would be respectful of course but is there still an element of if it is that kind of smaller and that was my my point paul that imagine those peruvian mummies were or are genuine okay is there a pr disaster waiting to happen with it being done in a in the wrong way in the sense that people will just dismiss it or it could go badly and that's why it has to be handled by you know the kind of the church or you know the head of state for the u.s russia china it could be but they, yeah but those latter folks are sure taking their time right <laughs> i mean they've got you know so many especially the u.s government so many factions there that that don't want this to come out at all but uh, yeah and i think even even if and when <clears throat> it does and i'm sure we're going to get some more information in the coming months um maybe not full capital d disclosure but we'll get something i think just given what we've gone through in the last three years with COVID pandemic and all that stuff, um, there's still going to be huge elements of the populace who just don't believe it. You mentioned earlier about flat earthers or, you know, all those kind of things where there gets to a point where someone's argument, they can't argue anymore. So they just decide, you know, I'm not going to listen to reason or I'm not going to choose to believe it. And I think you could come out and say, you know, we've got proof of an alien presence and there is an element of society that just won't have it and it'll sure. be rife on social media yeah i can see yeah. the posts already all the surveys all the surveys show you know in america that um confidence trust in the u.s government or in government in general in the united states is just about at its lowest point ever and um and that's and not just government authorities but other medical authorities after the whole covid thing um political authorities all, all kinds of authorities so um, yeah, I think there are a lot of folks who would just say, yeah, they've, you know, they, I mean, actually, or I had a friend tell me that another friend, I won't mention who it was, uh, when he heard about my book, he had said, yes, aliens brought to you by the same people who brought you the COVID pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> and what do you think about COVID? You think, okay, I, I get their thinking. They felt betrayed by the government. They felt uh, misled by the government. Um, and so they think that's just another case of that. Well, it was, that, that was the meme during COVID, wasn't it? That up next is aliens. And I think that went worldwide <laughs> everywhere. It was they're, they're behind the curtain ready to come out. So and anyway, this is this is not a COVID podcast or or political <laughs> broadcast by any means, as I get accused of sometimes, even though I hate all politics and uh, anything like that. So yeah, not for me, but yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm Scottish. I hate everyone equally. So that's the best way to be. Um, so um, question from Patricia. Uh, thank you very much Andy for your work oh I never read that I don't know why I did sorry I hate praising myself that's good I'm glad um, yeah. oh god no no 
my, that's why I go into my wife, Nick. She'll she'll soon get that out of me. <laughs> good at um, yeah. yeah. Uh, my question to your guest is, his opinion on the supposed stigmata the Catholic institution declares St. Francis of Assisi received compared to what in reality seems to have happened to him, and that is a close encounter with orbs that, as a result, made him ill. This was declared by Chris Bledsoe, as well as Dr. Diana Pasulka. Um, these declarations seem to have been given to them from the Vatican itself. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, again, I don't want to try to view everything in the, the Catholic tradition through the UAP lens. I don't think that's a good way to approach it. Um, yeah, there were all kinds of amazing phenomena going on when, when he received the stigmata, but um, apparently he and the people around him and the church ever since had a particular understanding of, yeah, that it was unusual, but that uh, through the ministration of an angel, God was giving him the stigmata. Um, we don't need to go looking for, you know, UFOs or something else there. It's, let me say this, you know, people say, we haven't touched on this. Um, they'll say, well, I, in the book of Ezekiel, you know, the prophet Ezekiel, and you have this thing out there that looks mechanical, and it's wheels within wheels, and it's got eyes and wings and stuff. And so that's got to be a UFO, right? Um, well, let's let's step back from that. What if one of the things most of us in this, you know, conversation agree on today is that you can't automatically dismiss test witness testimony that they've been abducted, right? Um, that what often happens is when they try to tell somebody, the person they tell doesn't believe in UFOs or aliens, but they do believe in something else. So they'll reinterpret as that. So they believe in hallucination or mental illness, or they see something land. They say, well, I don't believe any of that, but I do believe in swamp gas and Venus. And so whatever they thought it was, it was actually this. So they dismiss what that person thought because they don't believe in the things that person thought and they put their own beliefs as substitutes. I don't think, I think it's the same thing with passages like Ezekiel. It's, it's really disrespectful to the, um, the folks who recorded the vision and the tradition that handled it and, and brought it down because for Ezekiel and, and for the readers of the book, it, it was not unidentified at all. It was a likeness of the glory of God coming down on a throne and, um, and so I don't think we should go there first and say, well, what really happened was it was a UFO because I don't believe in God. Or I don't believe in angels, but I do believe in UFOs. So that's what, it's, what it must be. Um, yeah, I don't think you, you have to look at the context. You have to look at um, the person who had the experience. Um, yeah. So anyway, that, I think it's the same way with experiences of Fatima, the, the uh, apparition of the Virgin Mary in Portugal, early 1900s. Um, I think it's the same case with, with St. Francis. I don't think think it's wise to go look at that and say, oh, well, that somehow resembles UAP stuff today, so that's got to be what it is, when the context itself demands something different. I spoke to a gentleman, and I can't remember who it was or the name of the organization, so please reach out again if you still listen to the <clears> podcast. <throat> um, last year, I think it was in the summer, uh, he worked at an institute, some Thing to do with religion that's how bad my memory is and he had a big interest in the ufo topic was writing an article about that and religion um i think it was an educational type of institute and he brought up within the conversation back and forward with me that he didn't believe the ezekiel ezekiel's real um 
experience was anything to do with UFOs and he told me why at the time and I can't remember so please reach out to me but interesting you bring that up Paul because he had the same thought that as much as there are things he believed within the Bible that reference potential UFO events if you want to call them that he didn't think Ezekiel's wheel was one and people were looking too much into that as being that sort of event so that was just interesting you brought that mm-hmm. one up mm-hmm. Um, final question then from uh, Strange Fractal uh, and this I think is a nice way to kind of sum things up Paul as you've mentioned this in a couple of different ways but what kind of statements might you make to religious communities to encourage them to embrace disclosure through the lens of their prospective spiritual teachings yeah I mean that's part of what I talked about it at the uh, Soul Symposium that uh, first of all that we uh, we need to give ourselves to studying the the evidence that's out there. A lot of the folks who will say to me, it's all demons or whatever. I say, well, have you actually read anything like, you know, in plain sight by Ross Coulthard? Have you read any of these other books or things where you, you look at serious research into a journalistic and otherwise, or you look at the scientific evidence or the, you know, some of the sightings with all the different sensing materials to you, you need to give some kind of weight to all of that. Um, and they'll always say, no, I don't know any of that. I don't want to read about it. So the first thing I would say is, folk, folks, you need to, whatever your religious tradition, you need to pay more attention to the amazing amount of cumulative evidence that we have of, of things going on out there that they're real. Um, second, that uh, I would encourage you to look with, within your tradition, as I encourage Catholics to do, and, and even non-Catholics to look into the Catholic tradition. Uh, to, to see that this conversation has been going on and that we have all kinds of things that make room for this so that it's not contrary. I mean, I've, I've been you know accused of teaching contrary to the tradition, the Gallic tradition, when actually I'm recovering things from the tradition that other folks have, many other folks have lost. Another thing I say is that um, this world that God has given us is, is very uh, full of mystery. It's bigger than we can imagine. It's more complex, um, nuanced. And that often for religious people, there's a failure of imagination, I would call it, where they, their imagination isn't up to the task of encountering all the mystery and the, and the amazing complexity of what God has, in fact, given us. And so they need to begin to stretch their imaginations and to see that uh, they can't always connect the dots the way they always have. And then finally, I encourage them, um, uh, especially Christians, but I, th- I think it would be the case in other traditions as well, that... Um, to maintain a sense of humility, um, a sense of wonder. What, and I define wonder as humility in the face of mystery. Humility in the face of mystery. Um, certainly that's part of the Catholic tradition. I think it should be part of all <laughs> religious traditions, recognizing that there, there are mysteries we don't understand yet. We don't have it all. Even if we feel sure that we have certain parts of the puzzle, there's, there's always stuff that, that we don't have yet. And uh, and for Christians and, and for, for Jews also, I would say, um, go back and look at the book of Job. Uh, look at the God that, that Job worshipped and that, that we say we worship too. And that when he was making complaints and about how things were and that kind of thing, God answered him out of the whirlwind and said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I created everything? Where were you when I threw the stars out there and all these other things, the Orion and the Pleiades? Um, do you understand any of that? <clears throat> do you know the ordinances, the, the laws, so to speak, of the heavens? And Job realizes, oh, my gosh, you know, I've been presumptuous about all this. And he falls on his face and says <laughs> um, that we need that kind of remembrance that, um, you know, that God is he's, he's creator. He's, he's God. He can do what he wants. And 
I mean, whatever's in keeping with his, his character and whatever's not inherently impossible. So let's be humble about it. Let's don't think we've got it all figured out. Um, so I'd say all of those things probably for any religious tradition to keep in mind. And I think that's good advice for anyone who even just has involved in the UFO topic. I think in the UFO topic, everyone has their own, you know, metaphorical church they worship at or their own belief systems, their own figures they look to. Some of them borderline on worship of certain individuals um, across the board. But I think you're right that you have to just be, you know, sensible, logical, be respectful of other people's beliefs and try not to put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, or you end up with kind of egg in your face potentially. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of different conversations happening out there. And especially, like I say, in the UFO topic where we, we don't have the answers and we're all kind of looking to those, like you said with religion at the start, Paul, we're all kind of looking at those same questions and asking the same questions just in different ways, aren't we? We are. And even science is that way. I mean, it's, I'm a professional historian. Historical theology is my field. And, um, so I look at, especially at the, the history of Christian faith, but um, but I've also looked at the history of science. And one of the things you find, you know, Thomas Kuhn, the whole the nature of scientific revolutions, that you do get these paradigm shifts in in science history. That um, that is, it's also possible for science scientists to become dogmatic about certain things. Um, people like Avi Loeb and others are running into that, where you know we we don't want to talk about it, we know exactly what's possible, what's not. Um, mm. The scientists also have to to um, have some humility about this and to realize, I mean, look at things like, like quantum theory. Oh my goodness. That's, you know, the kind of cutting edge physics, you, the possibilities that opens up, we have to be humble about that. We have to say, no, we don't have it all figured out. Tell me what you're thinking. It's... Absolutely. Paul, it has been wonderful speaking with you and definitely have to get you back on next year and the new year as well. Um, as your is your foray into the UFO world finished now with the book or is there more to come from you? Well, um, a lot depends on what happens. I mean, I'd love to do a revised edition of the book now. It's been two years and so much has happened um, mm. in the conversation since then. I've even discovered things, historical documents that I didn't know were there before that would add to the conversation. Um, I think uh, like I'm uh, going to be writing an article for a science journal uh, soon, a science and religion journal. Um, going to probably be writing some more articles about it. But I, um, a lot depends on what, what groups like the Soul Foundation does if they want to continue to to open up the conversation about UFO and religion. And um, just so much, so much could happen. You know, if, what if we had a public disclosure this year? Um, I think I'd be talking to a lot of people. Probably having people, people want me to come talk. Well, I tell you what, if you don't do that revised edition, then jump on the podcast and we can look through those historical documents and you can discuss them um, and put them out there for folks. But Paul, it's been well worth the wait. Thank you very much for spending your time with us today, especially at this kind of time of year. Um, hope you have a lovely new year when it comes as well. Andy, what a pleasure it's been. I've enjoyed your, your podcast for so long. I think you're one of the, I'm not just brown nosing here. I think you're one of the, the best interviewers out there. I love your your humility. I love your good questions. You're, you're respectful. You give the, the guests a lot of time to talk and, and all those ways. Just wonderful interviews. Please keep at it. Keep doing the good work you're doing, and, and I'll be following you. I'll agree with you. Uh, humility is one of my, my main things, and also I am one of the best interviewers. No, I'm joking. Um, that's, <laughs> thank you for saying that, Paul. I appreciate it, and we'll speak very okay. soon. All right. God bless you. 
that is all for this episode thank you very much for tuning in don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm if you're checking the show out on YouTube please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform and finally you can listen to shows ad free and sponsor free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple Spotify just search That UFO Podcast Premium YouTube you can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com thank you very much for listening folks it wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer a little baroque and quite steampunk like Alice was playing bass for the parliament of folk the little fucker hovered right outside of my window and when I shoved out the screen he made it an issue I don't think he expected me to see his ass but I'd had some champagne and smoked a And how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. I'm like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. And I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And they think I should see because it doesn't really scare me.